Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for that uh, greeting. My wife and I are very honored to be with you at the Hera Assembly of God Church here this morning. I've looked forward to coming. As Brother Jonathan said, we go way back many years. He and his uh, dear wife and the, the daughters and have had great times of worship and fellowship, and it's a high honor to come alongside uh, his ongoing work. The Lord is doing great things among you. We've been hearing about uh, how he is blessed, and the video told us a little more. And uh, I just say to God be the glory, Amen. great things he yeah. has Amen. done. I appreciate the recognition of uh, identifying me as Dr. Uh, Trammell. Uh, outside of the academic realm, if it's all right with you, you have total permission just to call me Brother Terry. Is that all right? Yeah. If people find out you're a doctor, they start telling you everything that's kind of wrong with it. I really am not able to help you much. I know someone who can, but I'm not able to, to do that so much. So I'm very comfortable with that. And in the service tonight, let me just take a, uh, say a moment that Brother Jonathan's already mentioned. We will be ministering as John the Revelator. There's two things that I would ask of you in addition to what he has said. And I, I appreciate in advance all of you that's a part of the music team who I haven't really met yet or don't know. They, you will think after the service tonight, you will think we have gotten together and practiced and rehearsed several times. But we haven't. We haven't even met. But it's going to be wonderful how the Lord does it. And I, I appreciate all of those a part of the music team in advance. But you will know most of the songs that are being sung, and the words will probably be made available, I understand. And if you don't, you'll learn the others very easy. So it's not a spectator uh, event. It's a participation, a worship service. And if you get in and worship, that'll make it a great blessing. The other thing I would ask you is tonight, the best way to see the drama is to just close your Bible. And just sit back and watch. I have done this so many times and, and people are trying to follow along in the Bible. And I, I do not quote all of the book of Revelation. For one, I don't know it all. Two, it would take too long. It would lengthen the service quite a lot. But the best way is not for you to have your head down, but just close your Bible. It's an unusual thing for a preacher to say, close your Bible, isn't it? Close your Bible and just sit back and let's believe the Lord. Are you going to be here tonight? All right, we're looking forward to the Lord's blessing. Turn with me to the book of Acts this morning, chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. It is Pentecost Sunday, and you say, well, what's the connection between Pentecost Sunday and John on the Isle of Patmos? Well, there is a great connection between the two. On the day of Pentecost, we have, as it were, the birth of the church, and when we talk about revelation and end-time events, we're talking about the triumph of the church yeah. and the victory of the church and the church being yeah. at last with the Lord. And so I take you to this familiar language in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want to speak to you this morning on a panorama of Pentecost. And I'm going to focus on just a few highlights from each of the first four chapters of the book of Acts. In chapter 1, we see Pentecost prophesied. It was promised. 
And in chapter 2, it is received in a wonderful process. In chapter 3, they put it into practice, and as a result of that, chapter 4 brings persecution, or Pentecost is provoked. It's a panorama of Pentecost. How many of you knew this was Pentecost Sunday? Did you know that before you came? Some are saying yes, some no. Pentecost Sunday. Um, I, it would depend upon your faith tradition as to how much you observe Pentecost Sunday every year. I've always been kind of intrigued that many Pentecostals, it was never a big thing, Pentecost Sunday, because the idea is kind of every Sunday's a Pentecost Sunday, right? We're Assembly of God and Pentecostal and Holiness people, so, so we know every Sunday's a Pentecost Sunday. And some of the other nominal churches that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the speaking in tongues and like some in our, uh, in our walk do, um, many of them, they would make a big deal about Pentecost Sunday. You say, well, how do you know what day it is every year? Well, sometimes it's in May and sometimes it's in June. And the reason for that is because sometimes Easter is in March and sometimes it's in April. Pentecost, actually, you say, what does the word mean, Pentecost? That's something every Pentecostal should know, I think. Pentecost was a Jewish feast. It was one of the three major feasts in the life of Israel. There was Passover, and then unleavened bread, and then the annual feast of Pentecost. God began this with Moses back in the Old Testament. He told him to number seven Sabbaths from the Passover. That is, seven whole weeks uh, on the Sabbath day. And when that, that new week began after the seven weeks, that would be the 50th day. And so Pentecost, the word itself, actually means 50. It's a number. It is always 50 days after Passover. If you want to know when Pentecost Sunday is, find out what Sunday is Easter. And then just count up seven weeks. And the next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. So that's where we are even right now. I want to show you this morning that what happened that I just read to you, words that you're very familiar with in Acts 2, 1 through 4, it didn't just happen. It wasn't a total surprise. It wasn't a complete shock. God had fore, not only foreknew, but he foresaw and had prophesied that this was going to take place. If we could look in the Old Testament even and find out God said this was going to happen, you remember the prophet Joel said it would come to pass afterward, that God would pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. And in this same chapter 2, Peter's going to stand up and he's going to quote from Joel. And he's going to say that it would happen in the last days, God would pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. And Jesus himself, in the closing moments of his earthly life, in the week before his death, during his Passion Week, he said to his followers, it's better for you that I should leave. Don't you know the disciples looked at him funny when he said that? How could it be better for him to leave us? They, they wanted him to stay with them and they didn't want him out of their sight. But he said, it's better for you that I should go. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And so how is it better for Jesus to leave? Because he said, I'm going to pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Yeah. And he will abide with you forever. Yeah. 
That word, those two words, another comforter, mean so much to me. They've become very precious to me the last several years. Two Greek words and nobody panicked thinking, oh, he's coming in here with all of these, these Greek words or something. I, I don't know a lot of Greek words, but the Greek words that I do know, they do mean a lot to me. And the two words that Jesus said in this passage, he said, I'll pray the Father, he will give you another comforter. In Greek, there are two different words for another. In English, we only have one word for another, right? Another, okay? But in the Greek, there can be heteros or uh, there can be allos. Heteros means another of a different kind, but allos means another of the same kind. And guess which word Jesus used when he spoke? He said, I'm going to pray the Father and he'll give you allos. That is another of the same kind. In other words, just like I've been to you, the one that's coming, he's going to be to you just like I have been to you. And the word comforter is sometimes in different Bible translations, counselor, advocate, helper. It can be friend, someone who is called alongside to help. So Jesus said, I'm going to pray the Father, and he'll give you another of the same kind, just like me, who will come alongside of you and will help you. And have you found out that's who the Holy Spirit is? And that's the reality of the promise of Pentecost. Jesus said he will be with you forever. Now Jesus went on and died on the cross in that monumental act of redemption. And then on the morning of the third day, he literally bodily rose triumphantly from the dead. This same chapter, Acts 1, tells us in those initial verses, he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. For 40 days, and he spoke to his followers things related to the kingdom. I'm so glad Jesus did not immediately go to heaven back to be with the Father the same day that he rose from the dead. That is, he didn't go to heaven to stay until he came again. He stayed on the earth for 40 more days. And during those 40 days, he did some kingdom teaching. He was teaching his followers. As far as we know, he never appeared to an unbeliever. He never appeared to a lost person. If some of you would have been Jesus, the first person you would have showed yourself to was Pilate. And you would have said, I'm back, or something like that. But he didn't do it. He only appears to his followers. And he is showing them about the kingdom. And then he tells them to go and wait. This is the final moment. He's getting ready to leave. Listen up, church. This is the last thing Jesus ever says to his followers, literally, bodily, and visibly. He tells them to go and wait. For the promise of the Father. He said, John baptized you with water, but you're going to be baptized not long now. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And the disciples were like us. They they were trying to understand, but they still couldn't figure it out. Even with this risen, glorified Savior teaching them, they said, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom now to Israel? Is this the moment you're going to put down the Romans and sit on the throne and, and bring ultimate deliverance from the oppression and... And Jesus said, it's not for you to know. This is Acts 1, verse 6 and 7. It's not for you to know the times or seasons the Father has kept in reserve for his own power. But, he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when Jesus said that, a cloud came down and received him out of sight. And their heads were looking up and their eyes were big and their mouths were were dropped open. 
and heavenly messengers, angelic beings appeared. And they said, you men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus that was taken up from among you to heaven is coming back just like you've seen him go. The greatest thing that ever happened in human history was the incarnation that God came in the person of Jesus. And he died and rose again. Do you believe that? And the greatest thing that will happen in the future is the second coming of Jesus when he comes back just like we've seen him go. But in between the greatest thing that's ever happened and the greatest thing that will happen, you know what the greatest thing that's happening right now is? It's, it's what we're doing this morning. It's, it's the Lord's work of bringing out a people for his name and filling people with his spirit so that they can be witnesses to Christ to win others to him. It's the most important thing that's happening right now. So would you agree with me in chapter 1? It's all about a promise and a prophecy. The Holy Spirit is coming. You turn the page to chapter 2, and like, like lightning dancing across the sky, I read to you, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. That means it finally got here. It'd been a long, long time. There had been a Pentecost observance every year in Israel. But when the day of Pentecost came, it finally arrived then, here's what Luke, the writer, tells happened. He said, suddenly, there came a sound from heaven, like a rushing mighty wind. Now, it's back in chapter 1 that tells us that about 120 of Jesus' followers had gathered in an upper room. And the temple is not far from there, and the sacrifices are unfolding, even at that 9 o'clock hour in the morning, not far at all. But this sound doesn't come into the temple, but it evidently, it only is heard there in, in the upper room where the 120 are gathered. But a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all of the house where they were sitting. Isn't it, isn't it ironic? You know, sometimes we're standing, many times we're kneeling. It's not the posture, it's not the mold of our physical body, but it's the, it's the attitude of our heart and our spirit. That is so important. But right where they were sitting, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each one of them. He filled all of the house. Have you ever been in a service where the Holy Ghost filled all of the house? I've been in many where it was only at the pulpit and you couldn't feel it in the pew. And sometimes I've been in where you couldn't feel it in the pulpit either. There's times it seemed like only one person's getting anything out of it. Sometimes it's when I'm preaching and I'm the only one that's getting anything out of it. But I like it when the Holy Ghost comes in and He fills all of the house. And there appeared unto them tongues, cloven tongues like fire. How appropriate is that? Because the Lord is setting people on fire. His followers are going to have tongues and hearts ablaze. The tongues are significant because they're going to use them to carry His gospel and His message and His word from Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the earth. These tongues appeared upon each of them like fire. And Luke said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke in other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave the utterance. All tongue speaking is to God. That's what Paul said. When a man speaks in tongues, he speaks to God. And they were filled with praises unto God as the Holy Ghost announced his arrival. What has fascinated me the most as a lifelong Pentecostal growing up, we put so much attention on those four verses that I read to you on the day of Pentecost. But Luke tells us 
he only, he only used four verses to describe it. And all of a sudden, the rest of the chapter, they're outside of the upper room. All of a sudden, they're outside. Only four verses describe what happened inside the four walls. The rest of the chapter, and it's a big chapter, is filled with what happened outside. How many of you know that the Lord, whatever He gives us inside these four walls, it's not just for us to keep inside these four walls. It's for this community and this world outside of these four walls. And the most important thing is what happens out there. But something needs to happen in here when we meet so we can impact those that are out there. A crowd began to gather. They've made their way from that upper room evidently and they're still speaking forth in their own languages the wonderful praises of God and worshiping Him. And a crowd gathers and Luke said some of them were amazed and some of them were in doubt. And they were asking, what meaneth this? It's been happening for nearly 2,000 years when people observe this phenomenon. What is this all about? Some of them said, well, they're drunk. They're intoxicated. But Peter spoke up and said, no, it's not that. See, and it's this certain hour of the day. It's, it, it, it's not like you suppose. He said, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. This is Bible prophecy fulfilled right before your eyes. He was pointing at what was happening right there in Jerusalem that moment. And he said, this is that, that Joel was saying. And now you and I have an opportunity to experience something. And our hope, our desire, our goal, we ought to be able to say, this that we have is that. This is that. Or if you want to put it in a question form, is this that, right? But although we have an exclamation point, this is that that happened on the day of Pentecost. It's still happening. And Peter began to preach. And that's when he said, in the last days, God said he would pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. He started like in verse 17. He goes all the way down to verse 36. Most of Acts chapter 2 isn't describing what happened in the upper room. It's Peter preaching. That's what I hope is happening all over this world on Pentecost Sunday in churches like this. And you know what he's preaching? He's preaching about Jesus. He's preaching about Christ. And he said, you took this Jesus with wicked hands and you slew him on the tree, but God raised him from the dead and he's now exalted at the throne. Yeah. And this God has made this same Jesus both Lord and Christ and the Holy Ghost convicted their hearts and they began to cry, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you too can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises for you and your children, and them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And 3,000 souls were added to the church that first day. 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people woke up lost. And yet when they laid their head down at night, they knew Christ and they were saved. Between you and me, I would say that that's the most important thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't that 120 people spoke in tongues. It was that 3,000 people were saved by the grace of God. Amen. That's the cause and that's the effect. That's the process of Pentecost. Well, you turn the page and we get to Acts chapter 3. And now the promise has been given and the promise has been received. And now what happens? Well, when you turn to chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple. They're at the ninth hour of the day. It was what they'd been doing every day, every week, every month, uh, uh, every year of their life. They're on a regular systematic schedule. They're continuing to, 
to do as they always have done. Now, within a few decades, the temple's going to be destroyed and there'll be a complete break from the, the Jewish religion they were a part of. But they're on their way to the temple. It's time to pray. And you know the story. There was a man that they, who was lame from his mother's womb that they laid at, at the gate, poor, beautiful, on the way to the temple. And he was begging. And that's what he did every day all of his life. He was begging and pleading for alms from the people that passed by. And when Peter passed by and John, the Bible said that uh, he asked an alms from them. I want you to get a picture to, today of, of a lame world that's outside of the church that's begging and crying and pleading for something or for someone to help them. If we're not careful, listen to me, if we're not careful, we'll get the wrong idea. We'll think that everybody that is lost here in America is antagonistic against the gospel and they're against Christ and they're against everything. And, and we let some of the people that we see in the newscast, that small minority group, we think every lost person is like that. That's not the case, my friend. I want you to know, I think there's some people all around us that would love to have what some of you have. There's people that would really like to know joy and peace and love and a reason and a purpose for living. All they need is somebody to help them, somebody to touch them. And Peter and John came by, and, and he asked an alms from them, and Peter said, look on us. And in the day and an hour when so many people have a tendency to walk on by, it was Peter that said, look on us. And the man gave heed, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter spoke to him and said, silver and gold have I none. Don't you know the man's hopes were dashed? He thought money was the answer to everything. Some of us think the money's the answer for everything. Sometimes money's not the answer. Money's the problem. He said, he said, silver and gold have I none. But, he said, such as I do have, I give you. I've got something besides silver and gold. What I have, I'll give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand. And the man got up and the Bible said he went walking and leaping and praising God. Those roundabout were stunned and looked at Peter and, and John with such fascination. And Peter said, why do you think, why are you looking at us as if it were our holiness or our power that made him well? It was only through the name of Jesus. Can I tell you again that God does not give us on Pentecost Sunday. He doesn't give us the precious gift of the power of the Holy Ghost just for our enjoyment in here. It's for our employment out there. It's to be used. It is to be demonstrated and manifested in a lost and a dying world. Well, we finally turn the page to chapter 4. All of you that are wondering if I'm enjoying my preaching so much, if I'm ever going to get finished, here we are. We're in the last chapter that I announced to you. And I'm going to try to keep my word. I said we're just going to go Acts 1 through 4. So, but there, so, and I want you to come tonight, so I'm going to try to keep my word right here. Acts chapter 4. All of a sudden, we've had Pentecost promised, prophesied. It's received in a process. They're putting it into practice. But it angered some of the people, and especially the Sadducees. They got involved, and some of the scribes and the elders. And they had Peter and John arrested because they were preaching in the name of Jesus. The Sadducees, do you remember, they were an aristocratic, wealthy group. They denied the supernatural. They did not believe in life after death. They did not believe in angels. They didn't believe in spirits. They just believed it was all here now. They didn't believe in the resurrection. 
That's why they're sad, you see. There's no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know him well enough, Pastor, to do that, so I'm not going to do that. So they have Peter and John arrested, and they're in prison the whole night. Get a picture of it, okay? And the next morning, they are brought before the magistrates to speak and to give a reason for their behavior. And Acts 4, verse 8 said, Peter spoke up, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, there's a difference, Peter in Acts and Peter in the Gospels. You remember reading about the Peter in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. A lot of times, he was like a lot of us. He said the wrong things. Sometimes he talked too much. Sometimes he, he spoke when he should have thought. Sometimes he, he, he put his foot in his mouth. Sometimes he got it wrong. Sometimes he got it right. But now in the book of Acts, he's the same man. He's impulsive. He's impetuous. He's still bold. But now he seems to get it right. And here's the difference. Peter speaking, filled with the Holy Ghost. And he begins to speak about this miracle of the man that was healed and how that it wasn't, once again, he said it wasn't us that did it, but he said it was in the name of Jesus. And in Acts 4 and 12, he said, For there is no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved except the name of Jesus. And the Bible said, verse 13 said, that they looked at Peter and John and they marveled that they were poor and unlearned and ignorant men. And yet he was speaking like this. Peter hadn't been to a Bible college. He didn't have any degrees after his name. He wasn't an academic intellectual. He was still a rugged fisherman and a follower of the lowly man of Galilee. But he is being invigorated and filled with the power of the Spirit of God that his Lord had promised him. And they marveled. And they took note that they had been with Jesus. They took note that they'd been with Jesus. Oh, that that would happen. When you go home to family members, loved ones even today that didn't come to church, but oh, they can know you've been in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Oh, at work tomorrow, if you go to your jobs, people will say, oh, they've been with Jesus. Something's, there, there's something different. There's an evidence there about it. And they go on here in chapter 4. They, they persecuted Peter and John, and, and they made fun of them. They ridiculed them. They belittled them. Um... They said there was no faith in the name of Jesus. They put him to death, you know. A few days ago, a few weeks ago, they're finished with him. Um, you, you see, they have a problem. When you get to Acts chapter 4, the, the religious leaders along with the Romans had crucified one Jesus. Two hands, two feet, one mouth. They thought we were through with him. But now you look out the streets of Jerusalem. Why, 3,000 got saved on the day of Pentecost. And then a little bit later it said 5,000. And now when they look out in Jerusalem, it's not just one man. But now there's, there's 16,000 feet running throughout the city. And 16,000 hands are touching people with the power of God. And 8,000 mouths are opening up. And the gospel's coming out of every one of them. Do you understand how they couldn't control this thing anymore? It's gotten a little bigger. And so they said there's no power in his name. He's dead. We're, we're finished with him. But Luke tells us in chapter 4, there was somebody that stood with Peter and John right there in their midst. Now, you would guess, if you didn't know who it was, you might say, well, it was the Lord, that the Lord was with them. Yes, the Holy Ghost is filling them. The Lord is there by His Spirit. But there was a person besides the Lord that was standing with Peter and John. And when they saw Him, the Bible said they could say nothing against it. 
And do you know who it was? It was that, it was that lame man. Yeah. It was that man that used to be day after day. He was over 40 years old. People that were older than 40 would have seen him every day on their way to the temple. But now he's standing there in between Peter and John. And I get a picture in my mind when they said, there's no power in this name of Jesus. That's all a hoax. What do you think the man did? Do you think he, <clears throat> he just cleared his throat? <clears throat> you think he just raised his hand and said, I'm here? I don't. I, I think he might have started leaping and running around a little bit. Give me take off around there. Okay, just use your imagination. He went walking and leaping and praising God. When they saw him, they could say nothing against it. Listen, this world can make fun and laugh at our doctrine and our theology and some of our uh, lifestyle choices when we don't walk the way that they do. But tell me this, they have no response to the power of a transformed, changed life. Someone who's been living their whole life one way, but all of a sudden they're embracing Glory, a life that they never lived before. There's no other explanation but a supernatural touch of God. What Jesus Christ the Lord did. They finally let them go and they said, all right, we're finished with you. Uh, we were going to beat you some more, put you in prison, but we've decided to let you go. Just one, one condition, you just can't say anything else about Jesus. And Peter says, many, many people would have said, We'll, we'll do it to keep from being put in prison. Peter said, we want you to know we can't help but speak yeah. what we've seen and what we've heard. Yeah. You may as well tell the sun it can't shine or the rain that it can't fall or the wind in Oklahoma that it can't blow yeah. as to tell somebody that's been in an upper room yeah. with the Holy Ghost uh, that, that uh, they can't talk about Jesus yeah. because it's going to happen, my friend. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I want the musicians to come and just begin to play something here. Uh, you'll know that I'm just about finished. I'm not finished, but you'll know that I am. And when you hear the music, am I the only one? Do you like to hear the music at the end? It lets you know there is going to be an end to this thing, right? You'll feel better when you hear it here in just a moment. But I'm not quite finished, so keep looking at me for just a moment. When Peter and John were released from prison, now think about this. They have been, they've been in an upper room for 10 days waiting and praying, tearing for the power of God. They receive this baptism of the Spirit. Peter preaches and 3,000 are saved. They keep witnessing and others get saved. They heal through the power of Jesus. They're the healing agent in the lame man. They're arrested. They spend all night in prison. They're beaten and then they let him go. Some of us would have been, we'd have been ready for a vacation, wouldn't we? A rest or a retreat. We'd have said, all right, what can we do now to kind of get away from all this? You know what they did? Acts 4, verse 31 tells us they went back to their own company. They went back to their own group. You know what they said? They said, we're going to have to have more of the power of God than what we had even before. And the Bible said, here's what happened. When they had prayed again, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word with boldness. They spoke the word with boldness. It doesn't even say they spoke in tongues this time. They may have, but the important thing is they spoke the word with boldness. 
the real goal of having an experience with the Holy Ghost is not so you'll speak in a language you don't know. It's so you have power to speak in a language that you do know to people that don't know Him. I don't have to be a prophet to tell you, do I? They're getting ready to turn up the heat on the fiery furnace. Persecution's coming. Does anybody believe this besides me? It's already here around the world, brothers and sisters in Christ. They're being put to death and beheaded. Here in America, we've had very, very little persecution. My whole life, almost none. I tell you what, not being able to find the remote control, that doesn't count as persecution. But, it, but it's getting, we're, it's, it, we're at a point in place. Can I tell you something? The party's just about over. Playtime's just about over. Whoever's on the Lord's side is going to have to stand. This is not a time for people that are spiritually weak. But you and I, I have an inclination. We're going to have to have more of the power of God. More of the power of the Holy Ghost. To be able to stand like giants for the Lord in a nation that's crumbling right before our very eyes. But the good news is the same power. The same power that filled that upper room. It fills sanctuaries like this. The same Lord that baptized many of you in the Holy Ghost years ago. He's able to fill and refill you even now in the coming days. So something's turning over in my heart saying, Lord, I need more. I must have more. I want more. It doesn't mean, I, I, I don't want more than Billy Graham. I don't want more than... Than, than Reinhard Bonnke. I don't want more than Franklin Graham. I don't, it, it's not a competition. It means I need more of the power of God than what I have in my own life right now. That's Pentecost. I think the Lord rolled out of Pentecost Sunday for us just to turn this into an upper room and seek His face. Do you feel that way today? Stand to your feet with me. You'll know I'm finished here when not only the music's playing, but you're on your feet. Can we thank the Lord for His Word right where you're standing? Just praise Him right out of your heart. Just praise Him. Glory, glory, glory. Amen. Just praise Him. If there's anyone here under the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus, I'm preaching a risen Christ today. And I invite you just to step out from where you are. Come to where I am and I'll meet you and introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're away from Him, you can come back. You can come back even today. Listen, the invitation today is for the church. The invitation is for you who know the Lord and are following after Him. Is there anybody here say, Brother Terry, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for more of the power of God. More of the power of God to be a witness for Jesus. Can I see your hand? Can you raise it up? Can you say, it's me, preacher, it's me. I must have more. I must have more of the power of God in my life. Amen. Amen. Pastor, I want you to come. However you feel led, I want you to lead us around the altar, around the throne. Seeking the face of the Lord. These are your people. The Lord is blessing and working. Oh, that we could, we could spend some time seeking Him this morning. Thank you, Jesus.